Hello and welcome to this special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter. Today we reflect on the 22nd letter, The Christian Life. This is a great letter. Gosh, one of my favorites. I don't know that I've said that too much about these previous letters. But yeah, this is one of my favorite letters. There's just so much here, and it's great in all the ways that we have screw tape just really start to unravel in his vile, insipid, vengeful wrath comes out in full display. Um, I was just listening to that John Cleese audio version, and he just is in full character. There is yelling, spitting, growling, and, and everything that really go to elaborate the real vile behind everything the screw tape is saying here in this in this letter that yeah hopefully we wouldn't miss um and it's all glorious because he's unraveling as the way that this patient of wormwood is really cooperating with god's grace to bring him to these incredible moments of inner transformation so uh, a lot to get to in this letter the Letter opens up though with Screwtape obviously being annoyed. Sounds like Wormwood has reported Screwtape to the secret police about some quote unguarded expressions in one of his last letters. We referenced this previously as being uh, some heresy, referring to how God really loves the humans, but maybe there are, there's other things too that's being reported. Screwtape has apparently sm- smoothed it over but he assures Wormwood that he will be dealt with. As bad as that is, that inner demon drama, there's something even worse, that the patient of Wormwood has fallen in love with a Christian woman. So, it's in paragraph two where we find Screwtape being so frustrated with this newfound love. Why? Well, it's clear that she's not just a Christian, but quote, such a Christian, such a Christian. What does that mean? In a sense, we don't know, but we could fill in the blank, right? As opposed to just being a Christian in name or by um, belonging to a parish or a church, such a Christian is one who actually believes in the reality of grace. Such a Christian is one who really takes Jesus's word seriously, or who really prays and is pursuing growth in the spiritual life, or who really serves and sees Jesus in the poor, or who is serious about virtue. You get you get to the sense, right? So it's one thing, as Screwtape has told us, to be Christian. It's another to really be living it out and acting it out in the full power that this gospel carries. So, why, though, is Screwtape really annoyed by her? Well, he goes on to list all of these different descriptions of her that are really illuminating and entertaining, too. I had to read over them a couple of times. I'll give you a couple of them here, or maybe all of them. I don't know. They were so good. Well, her faith is one that would have had her thrown in the arenas in the days of old, says Screwtape, which means that she's not willing to compromise her faith in times of persecution. That kind of a Christian, right? (laughs) Not just like, no, 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 I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but don't tell anybody. 
right? She's one who would be thrown into the arenas if we were back in the days of the Roman Empire that were rounding people up and throwing them in the Colosseum. She's also described as a two-faced little cheat who looks as if she'd faint at the sight of blood and then dies with a smile. (laughs) Oh, isn't that so good? Looks as if she'd faint at the sight of blood and then dies with a smile. As opposed to a Christian who perhaps obnoxiously is looking for battle, you could imagine them being dressed up in their armor, with their helmet, with their sword and their shield. Like, where's the battle? Where's the evil? Where? How do I need to take on those who are opposed to the church and are trying to like write like those types of, whoa, okay, I'm taking this really seriously. She clearly lives in such a way that is unassuming, innocent, and ordinary. But underneath, there's a fierce devotion. A next description. She looks as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth and yet has a satirical wit. Uh, If you're like me, you have no idea what butter is having to do with her wit or why is it not melting in her mouth. So I had to look up this butter phrase and I found out that it means a person who appears innocent, demure or sincere, but really isn't, right? They have greater depth than just like Yeah, an innocent uh, naivete. So she, in fact, has a satirical wit, which means that she's able to use humor, irony, exaggeration to expose the ridiculous situations in the world. And that's why Wormwood, or sorry, Screwtape, says that she would even find me funny, right? Because to see Screwtape in truth is to be able to laugh at him. It's to realize that he actually has zero power that isn't borrowed from God. He's been referencing how things like being in love or being patriotic or um, having different inclinations, desires, or raw material. There's nothing actually bad about it. So his role is to twist it, as we'll talk about later in this letter, twisting it. They don't actually have the ability to create any pleasures themselves. They just borrow it. From, so so when we see what screw tape it, like he'll, all of a sudden becomes very pathetic. Not that he isn't powerful, but he's pathetic in what he's doing. He can't control us, but he can only suggest things or hide things from us. That's who she is, this woman. Finally, she's described as filthy, insipid little prude. A filthy, insipid little prude. (laughs) Okay, there's some pretty good name calling throughout here. Needless to say, while there is a negative connotation to being prude or prudish as being someone who is completely unwilling to engage in anything romantic or sensual, this comes from the real virtue of prudence, which is a practical wisdom that empowers one to be good and to act well in daily affairs, both ordinary and extraordinary. What looks like one falling into the booby's arms says screw tape uh the boobies arms booby here means a stupid or childish person so it looks like one falling into the boobies arms like any other uh, breeding animal is actually a virtue on the part of this woman to judge him as worthy of pursuit and then she's able to freely do it well powerful huh who is this woman 
gosh, one that drives screw tape and the demons crazy because she has real faith. Such a Christian. Okay, we move on to paragraph three, um, where screw tape describes God as being a hedonist at heart. A hedonist, meaning one who believes the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. So why does Screwtape refer to God as a hedonist at heart? My goodness, it's because even he can see that God has come so that we might have life and have it abundantly, as Jesus says in John 10, 10. He, even he can see that God created this world good and us as very good. And that by cooperating with his divine plan, we can experience a real and authentic joy, happiness, and pleasure that is meant to launch us upward to the pleasures forevermore in heaven. One of the greatest upside-down languages of C.S. Lewis in this entire book is found in this letter, where Screwtape refers to the miserific vision. And that is fantastic. Uh, the miserific vision is a play on the image that God gives us throughout scriptures of heaven as being the beatific vision. Beatific coming from beatitude, which means blessed, which means happy. The happy vision is miserific, miserable to the demons. Uh, in John's first letter, chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. Now he's talking to us in, in this world, in, in this time. It does not yet appear what we shall be. He's referring to heaven. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Who I, I just got chills, right? To think about heaven as being that unveiling in God presenting himself in all of his glory with nothing held back, no mediation, no sacramentals needing to show us that we're coming. We just know, right? Unmediated encounter with God where he is in us and we are in him and we have the ability as we have been transformed uh, to share in his divinity that we can actually see him for who he is and be found in him. This is the glory that God has for us. This is what he desires for us to partake in forever in heaven and to have little tastes of it while here on earth. Little tastes. This is where he lists some of these little pleasures that, um, he, that God has for us to enjoy, like sleeping, washing, eating, drinking, making love, playing, praying, working. They are all things he made for us to enjoy. That means that God does not desire us to be miserable in this life. Like I feel strongly about this because sometimes the gospel can be communicated as if we're meant to be miserable. We're meant to be miserable now. And then finally, when we get to heaven, now we can enjoy. We can enjoy life. We can like, that's not the gospel. We're made for eternal happiness and the joys of this life point the way. Now, that doesn't mean that suffering doesn't have a role to play. Of course not. Jesus shows us that there was an incredible amount of suffering that had to be endured to enjoy the glory of the resurrection. That's where we have to actually lose our life so that we can be found in him by embracing our suffering, offering it to him and allowing ourselves to be found in him and to experience the glory that he has in store for us. 
Uh, and then this this last part of paragraph three is really important. This is the idea of Screwtape admitting that everything has to be twisted before it's any use to us. Do you see, like, we've already talked about this, but this is one of the clearest articulations of the evil one's game. To take what is good and distort it or twist it. Um, so things like sleeping, washing, eating, drinking, making love, etc. Like, those are not bad things, but to twist it, right? To twist it around uh, so that we can be led away from God. There's an endless number of examples of this, um, so it won't bore you, but just to think about food, right? To be able to enjoy food, a dessert. Great. But the twisting is that instead of having a piece of chocolate cake, I desire to have the whole chocolate cake. And I'm miserable afterwards. Why couldn't I have just enjoyed um, that dessert temporarily and properly according to the uh, size of my belly and what's actually good for me? Romance, right? Great. He made us to experience love and to fall in love. And yet the twisting is that, right, right, here's this love that you can have and don't wait. Don't be patient for anything. Don't go through a, a dating, uh, an engagement, and then married phase. Just act as if you're married already. What's the difference? You can have it all right now. And here's just this distortion, the twisting of it. Uh, one of the things I've been feeling strongly about is how health and safety have really been elevated in our world as having this like highest value. These are good things. Health is a good thing. Safety is a good thing. But for the last two years or so, it, out of everybody's mouth, every single greeting has been, hey, stay safe. I guess that's not a greeting. What is that? That's a dismissal. <laughs> stay safe. Be safe, right? It's just like, this is it. This is like just trying to be safe. And it's not bad to be safe, but if safe comes to be twisted such that it's the be all and end all of everything, a safety for this world, this life, then all of a sudden we turn in on ourselves and we close ourselves off to the eternal invitation that awaits us. So hopefully you get this right. Um, so I don't have to go on with other examples, maybe like um, money or reputation or praise, popularity, things like that, that aren't bad, but can be twisted and all of a sudden become an end in themselves. So everything has to be twisted before it's of any use to us. And here's the pathetic nature of screw tape. He doesn't have any power that isn't using what God has created in himself that needs to be twisted or distorted to bring us away from him. Moving on to this fourth paragraph, Screwtape describes the woman's family and home as having an infectious stink. What's that all about? Well, it's described, described as a house full of the impenetrable mystery. What is that mystery? <laughs> what well, is God? It's the secret of disinterested love that clearly permeates this house. And it's gone to affect everyone from the gardener, the guests after only a weekend visit and even the cat and dog, <laughs> even the cat and dog. I don't know what that looks like, but they all are experiencing this stink, this stench. That's the negative. What's the positive? This fragrance. We'll use that. This aroma of love, of disinterested, selfless love. 
And why should the patients have never entered this house, according to Screwtape? Well, because this encounter with the holy, this holy family in the home, they're going to rub off on him. And then all of a sudden, he's going to start to be even more transformed. And maybe he's going to be healed, too, from his own family, where his relationship with his mom, we don't know why his dad isn't in the picture, but his relationship with his mom is at such a tension and a real aggravation. And maybe he's come to only see familial relationships as one of annoyance and use and manipulation. And, and here is an opportunity to be healed by just this family living out a disinterested love, trying to really make sacred that space and those conversations and those acts of service. It could be healing for him. Have we ever come in contact with someone that has an infectious presence? These are really good people to hang out with. Those people that don't need to say much or do much, but just by who they are, their presence rubs off on us and affects us and uh, creates in us a desire for holiness too. Okay, this this letter is incredible. We've got a lot (laughs) still to cover. Can we go into this fifth paragraph where Screwtape admits to detesting both music and silence? And he replaces it with noise, noise, a noise, the grand dynamism, the audible expression of all that is exultant, ruthless, and virile, noise which alone defends us from silly qualms, despairing scruples, and impossible desires. We will make the whole universe a noise in the end. We have already made great strides in this direction as regards the earth. Ooh, that is an incredible line. We've already made great strides in this direction as regards the earth. Again, how prophetic is C.S. Lewis writing this in the 40s? He had no idea how from that time to, gosh, 80 years later, the exponential growth and the bombardment of noise and screens and um, phones podcasts. Oh, shoot, podcasts. Um, (laughs) Music, movies, uh, live streaming, all these different things. They continue to bombard us, right? And why does Screwtape prefer noise? Maybe we should ask it from the opposite perspective. Why do the demons hate music and silence? And notice, this is both music and silence. Both lead to God. Both music and And silence lead to God. So ordered sound or music. So sound ordered towards the true and the good and the beautiful. It's sacramental. It gives us contact with the divine. And silence too is also a place of encounter with God, with the divine. So why then does noise all of a sudden become the weapon of the enemy? Ah, noise. Because first of all, noise is a disordered sound. So instead of giving us over to what is beautiful and poetic and harmonious in music, noise is disharmonious and disrupts that and creates a a chaos and maybe um, a greater distraction from uh, what's truly glorious. And so too, silence, right? Silence can be really unnerving and uncomfortable and so to bombard us with noise it can distract us from 
ourselves from what's unsettled deep within us. I wanted to um, maybe emphasize just a couple of the things on silence, right? What, what is this? Silence is powerful. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's in that stillness that we come to encounter God. Uh, Robert Cardinal Seurat wrote this incredible book called The Power of Silence. And he says that silence is not an absence, right? So it's not just a negation of noise or turning things off. On the contrary, it is the manifestation of a presence, the most intense of all presences. Isn't that a beautiful reality? So silence isn't just a negation of sound and noises, but a positive presence of God. St. Teresa of Calcutta poetically says, God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass, grows in silence. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. Pope Benedict XVI spoke about this saying, Let us not fear to create silence within and outside ourselves. If we wish to be able not only to become aware of God's voice. So what are we afraid of, right? Uh, What are we afraid of? I think it's Blaise Pascal who had this great insight into this whenever he said that most of us spend the majority of our time distracting us from ourselves. You know, right? Like how true is that for so many of us that the silence can be so unsettling, so unnerving and so awkward that I just run from it. And so... Pope Benedict says, we should not fear to create silence. And if it's not outside of us, I think about just, yeah, parents with children um, or those who work and just have like a crazy chaotic work environment. Sometimes the outside silence is not possible to create. But how about the interior silence? That no matter what's going on, I can always find room for God within those moments. So that's the power of silence. Can we talk about the power of music? Throughout the scriptures, there's just incredible references to how music comes in to really give voice to God's love. The Psalms are a great place for this. Psalm 98 says, break forth into joyous song. Psalm 100 says, cry out with joy to the Lord. Come before him singing for joy. I think about... King David, he's the one who wrote most of these psalms all about singing. And the psalms themselves are meant to be sung and chanted. But he didn't just write about this. He actually did it. Do you remember when the tabernacle in the Old Testament is coming back to Jerusalem? And there, David was making merry before the Lord with all his might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. Right? He's singing and dancing before the presence of God. Pope Benedict XVI has this incredible insight saying that the whole church is likewise meant to sing because it is the utter depth of love that produces her singing. The utter depth of love that produces her singing. St. Augustine says something along the lines of only the lover sings. Isn't that incredible? Like only the one who's been struck by love is free to open up their voice and to allow the reverberation through the vocal cords of the depth of this 
breath and to be able to sing out loud the glory of what God is doing, what love has done to them, to be able to sing that. And this song of love of what God is doing is written about profoundly in this incredible poem about not just human romantic love, but divine love in the Song of Songs. Chapter 2, verse 14 says, Let me see your voice. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is beautiful. That all of humanity would cry out to God, I want to see your face, this beatific vision. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear the sound of heaven. I want to experience it all the way to heaven and that I too might join in that song with my own voice, maybe as poor as it is. I want to contribute in the little way that you've created me and the incredible chorus that without my voice is missing something. May we never cease to really pursue these moments of silence and also authentic music that really lifts our heart and soul up to the glory of God. Closing out this uh, podcast, just to make reference to at the end of the letter, Screwtape becomes so upset and furious, enraged, that he ends up turning into this giant centipede. And it's described as being a transformation from the inside out. Um, this, this is the way it works. Transformation on both sides. Transformation of becoming a saint. I think about this patient of Wormwood that's being transformed by being around holy people and holy homes that this perfume of sanctity is rubbing off and actually instilling within him a desire for that disinterested love. And so from the inside out, this patient is being transformed. But so too, the opposite direction. If it's not love that I'm filling myself with, if it's selfishness and hatred and jealousy and anger, then then all of a sudden that actually comes to transform me too. Into what? That which is hideous and despicable and uh, something that could manifest itself as a uh, horrific giant centipede, right? Um, And so we see just the power of trusting in God's grace and allowing it not to be our work, but God's work within us to transform us from the inside out. So let's pray keep praying. And this is where we can turn to St. Michael as we always do at the end of our podcast for his protection to just keep us immersed in God's love and his grace and his mercy and his truth and his beauty and music and also the glory of real silence where we can encounter God. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. So good to be with you all. Um, Thanks for persevering. We're at uh, letter 22, and we have less than 10 to go. So keep going. Persevere. Do not go tired or weary. This is so worth it. This is one of my favorite letters so far. They continue to get better and better. So let's keep journeying together. Um, Please pray for me. I'm praying for you. And I look forward to being with you all next time.